Hello, everyone, and welcome to OHSCA Interviews. I'm Vincenzo Calla, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, I'm happy to have with me the MP for Battle River Crowfoot, Damien Couric. Damien is a fifth-generation farmer who has spent nearly a decade in East Central Alberta's oil and gas sector. He holds a bachelor's degree in political studies and communications and a diploma in biblical studies from Trinity Western University. He has also held leadership and governance roles in a number of nonprofits in Western Canada. Damien currently serves as the Conservative Deputy Shadow Minister for Rural Economic Development and Rural Broadband Strategy. Thank you, Damien, for your time. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. And it's great to have you. And we're going to start off the interview today with our uh, question and answer segment. And all of these questions come from the members of our high school team. So the first question um, is a question that we occasionally like to ask our, our guests. And we want to ask you, what made you first get into politics? And what has happened in that time since you first got into politics that has made you, that made you want to run in 2019? Now you're still an MP. Yeah. Yeah. First, Vincenzo, thank you for, for this opportunity. It's great to be on your show and I'm excited to, to be able to, to have a chat with you here today. Uh, and a great first question. So, so first, uh, um, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly what drove me to get involved in politics, but I've been always interested in it. So when I was about 15 years old, I bought a membership to the Conservative Party and started showing up to meetings, started getting involved, um, had, ha had the opportunity to do a student exchange uh, while I was in high school. Uh, to Ottawa, which was a pretty big deal for a farm kid from rural Alberta, um, and uh, and uh, met with with my my then member of parliament, who encouraged me to uh, uh, stick it out and 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 start coming to things like EDA meetings and uh, and and to really just be engaged in the political process in Canada. So taking that uh, that interest and actually turning it into uh, action. So over the course of the next uh, next 15 years or so, from uh, from uh, you know a few of the places that I lived across Canada, going to 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 college and then university, being involved at Campus Club, doing doing an internship in in Ottawa, and then in 2015 becoming a provincial government staffer for the Wall government in the province of of Saskatchewan, and then eventually being a constituency assistant for, for an MP, uh, continued to be involved, continue to do things like door knock, continue to attend policy conventions and be engaged in that political process. And then when the time came, uh, uh, my, my predecessor announced that he would be, be retiring. And uh, 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 because I'd been connected and involved and engaged in, in, in the constituency of Battle River Crowfoot over the course of, of, of really the previous decade and a half, a whole bunch of folks encouraged me to seek the nomination to which I simply got to work and uh, uh, worked really hard over the course of that nomination, was successful, and then ran for the first time in, in 2019. But uh, Vincenzo, if I could really sum it up, I would simply say this. Uh, decisions are made by those who show up. So uh, to, all, to, to you and all, all of your listeners, make sure that uh, uh, you get engaged and show up, whether it's to meetings where you might be the youngest person in the room. Sometimes I was by a factor of, of, of two or three times, but make sure you show up because those who show up get to make the decisions. And uh, you know, now I, I have the honor of being able to, 
to serve as a member of parliament, was first elected at age, uh, age 29. Now I'm 32, uh, but uh, it's truly an honor to be able to, to serve in this capacity. Well, for sure. And that, that thing you said about showing up and doing the work, and even though you may be the youngest person I know, I volunteered on my first, um, first full campaign in, in the fall election with my local conservative candidate. And sometimes, not all the time, but some of the times I was the youngest person there. But that didn't stop me from getting out there and volunteering on um, in the events and, and uh, through my roles with social media and all that and doing my part. And it has been, it was so great um, doing that and being able to, to, um, to get involved that way. And it's just the way you start and everybody starts their own way, but uh, just simply, yeah, getting involved. And we'll talk about that in the last segment, uh, advice for the next generation. We'll talk about that later. Awesome. So the second question, um, it's involved with your um, your membership in the Standing Committee on Access to Information, Privacy, and Ethics. So the question uh, I want to ask you, and we usually ask this to some people with uh, committee work, because a lot of people know about housework, but a lot of people don't know about committee work. So people want, uh, I wanted to ask, what is your role as a member on the Standing Committee on Access to Information, Privacy, and Ethics? And how do you bring the conservative views, I guess, or the, the, the side of the CPC to that committee and represent uh, as a conservative MP on that committee? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. And you're absolutely right. A lot of people, you know, can point to question period and, and, and debates and whatnot. And, and that's, uh, that's great. Um, and a, an important part of, of politics and the legislative process. But uh, you're absolutely right. They, there's a whole other side there, and that is committee work. And I encourage folks when they visit our nation's capital, when they start learning about, you know, the, the parliamentary process, make sure that they not only pay attention to things like question period, but also to do, you know, to even if if you visit Parliament Hill, make sure you you uh, uh, drop into a committee meeting. They're open to the public, just like question period is, just like debates in the House of Commons are. Make sure you always stop and and check out a committee meeting. Sometimes they're super boring, but that's the important balance that is found in the legislative process, and and is where the real work gets done, where there's often uh, certainly more than, than in the House of Commons, there is parliamentary collaboration where even though conservatives will oppose a bill, we will bring forward amendments. And in some cases, uh, not all, but in some cases, those amendments can, can be, be, uh, be accepted. Now, when it comes to the ethics committee, it certainly is a busy one. I know over the course, my, my first, uh, first term in, par in, in parliament, right after COVID hit, the We Charity scandal hit. And that got, uh, I was flying back and forth from my constituency in Alberta to Ottawa, even in the height of the pandemic, right up until Parliament was prorogued by, by Justin Trudeau to cover up uh, uh, a lot of what, what the committee was doing and the good work and the things that the committee was revealing. So when it comes to the conservative views uh, and how I make sure that that, that, uh, that that is a part of what happens each and every each and every committee meeting. It is making sure that that the principles, things like accountability, things like um, ensuring that that there is is due process, that the rule of law is followed. Um, something that I'm really passionate about generally is the idea of good governance. That's making sure that there is 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 a process in place. There is good decision making. There's accountability at every step to make sure that every question that I ask, every witness that I suggest come and appear, 
that that's the, the frame that I always uh, br bring forward. And as a result, we've been able to accomplish some, some, some pretty cool things, whether it's, it's uh, some of the studies we've, we've done. Um, for example, there's one on facial recognition technology right now, asking questions about you know, technology that we don't really understand what the civil rights implications could be, uh, making sure that we, through the lens of good governance and respecting the rights of Canadians make sure that that's part of how how we approach those issues. Uh, to to of course the the uh, the the big picture stuff like the We Charity scandal, or even um, having having uh, the the uh, the privacy commissioner come to committee here here a couple of weeks ago. I asked a question about whistleblower protection. Uh, that idea of of that if somebody uh, uh, calls out. Um, is a whistleblower to call out you know, corruption within a department, for example, specifically, I referenced the CRA. Uh, I asked the, the, the privacy commissioner what he thought would be appropriate uh, uh, policy surrounding that. And it, it ended up getting a number of headlines because uh, it's, it's one of those things that resonated with Canadians, but comes back to that idea that we need to have good governance at every step of, of the process. So whether that's in the House of Commons, whether that's a, on, the, on the ethics, um, uh, a committee, or even the way that I, you know, deal with with other policy-related matters, or 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 help constituents with casework. You always have that lens of okay, what is the the right way to try and accomplish, you know, uh, X, Y, or Z, and that's absolutely key. And that's that's part of uh, there's there's a lot more specifics, uh, but but uh, that's that's kind of my overall approach to specifically committee work, but also the bigger picture. Well, definitely. And I mean, committee work is where a lot of the work that um, when it gets to the House of Commons gets done. Um, it's not just readings in the House of Commons and that's it. It's reading and then talking about it and figuring it out. And that's how a lot of the bills that are tabled that become law uh, get perfected because of that stuff there. And and like you said, I mean, sometimes it may not always be uh, the most exciting thing to watch, but sometimes we have J.J. McCullough out there talking about Bill C-11. <laughs> That's super interesting. And, and just it's, and some things like the We Charity scandal that yeah. we was a household name for a lot of young people uh, for schools getting involved, myself included, and yeah. seeing the work and digging deep into that and seeing the parliamentarians um, figuring that out on behalf of Canadians is just so important. And such an important way to see how our how our parliamentary system works in all the aspects of it. Yeah, so we're going to go on to question three, which yeah. uh, refers back to your role as the Conservative Deputy Shadow Minister for Rural Economic Development and Rural Broadband Strategy. So for Jack from Milton wants to ask, um, we live in an increasingly online world. You and I are doing this interview on Zoom right now, and people are watching it on YouTube or listening to it on Spotify. Uh, so this is Exhibit A. So he wants to ask, what can the government do to reach those in rural areas so that they can have stable and reliable access to the internet? Yeah, yeah another, another great question, of which the importance has been emphasized as uh, really over the course of the last last two and a half years with the onset of COVID. Um, uh, and and uh, uh, so I talked about kind of my first overarching priority being that of good governance. The other uh, 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 priority that I have as a uh, uh, member of parliament from rural Alberta, uh, 53,000 square kilometers largely of, 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 of rural east central Alberta uh, is the area that I represent. 
and uh, making sure that rural has a voice, even though the vast majority of our population lives in what, what we would call major urbans or, or cities. And uh, making sure that rural, rural Canadians have, have uh, you know, whether it's access to government services, making sure that they have, have, have high-speed internet, um, ensuring that, those, that the concerns of rural Canadians are heard in our parla parliamentary process is absolutely key. And this is, uh, you know, exhibit A, especially over the last couple of years. So when I was first elected, um, even prior to COVID, we started uh, uh, really pressuring the government to be more responsive with how they were spending money on getting rural broadband to rural Canada. Because uh, they were, quite frankly, the, the Liberals were spending a lot of money, but accomplishing very, very little. And in some cases, a lot of money would be spent and in there's a few examples where they would even have a big ribbon cutting where, you know, a fiber optic line, for example, would get to a small town, uh, there'd be a, be a ribbon cut, cutting, they'd claim, you know, a job well done, but then there was no actual access to that internet within the community. So the key here is twofold. One, to make sure there are strategic investments uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, find where, where there's possibly dead zones. It could be a few homes in a valley. It could be a community in rural or remote Canada, maybe in our north, to ensure that there is strategic investment to, to get internet to those places. But then also uh, leveraging the private sector to make sure that some of the incredible innovations that are taking place uh, have, have uh, uh, where, where, where things like, you know, Starlink, for example, where, where there's, there's the possibility of things like satellite internet, being able to connect some areas that would have been traditionally uh, cost prohibitive, we can do so in a way where just with a little bit of, 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 um, of ensuring that, that uh, the government policy does not hold back private sector innovation, we can get to uh, that, that, that universal connectivity. And I think the thing that really sets Conservatives apart from what, what the Liberals are doing is while the Liberals spend lots of money, they and can point to you know, a certain number of thousands of people that they've connected, Conservatives' goal is to make sure that, that we leverage the innovation, the capacity of the private sector, some of the, the, the technologies that are very that are quickly emerging, and say, okay, how do we make sure that, that every Canadian is able to access uh, the internet, set, set up that framework, whatever is needed, and then uh, uh, ensure that, that, um, that we remove every roadblock possible uh, to that that is currently inhibiting that and that includes looking at other institutions like the CRTC which right now when it comes to things like the rollout of 5g and what's called spectrum spectrum auctions uh, to that 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 are currently uh, holding rural areas back from getting the most up-to-date cell phone networks and in some cases you can actually have 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 cell phone coverage that that can be uh, uh, converted into broadband um, to make sure that that it's not government bureaucracy or or departments or or in the case of of the CRTC an arm's length agency it's not their policy that's holding back the ability for investment to actually solve some of those challenges um, and all of those things I believe being able to work together and as 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 a deputy shadow minister I work a lot, work a lot with Shannon Stubbs who who is the shadow minister also from a from a rural area to do whatever we can to encourage uh, these conversations to take place while also thinking forward of, of the next election saying, okay, as, 
as conservatives in the next election, how do we make a proposal and how would we actually deliver the promises that that we're talking to when when we um, in the last campaign, we promised 100% connectivity by 2025. That was not the government coming in and solving and connecting each and every home to internet, but it was unleashing the capacity, the innovation and the productivity of, of our country and, and entrepreneurs and, 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 and internet service providers and everybody involved with the entire process to say, okay, here's how we can uh, truly get that accomplished so that uh, ultimately Canadians benefit. Whether it's a high school student needing access to to uh, uh, online learning, whether it's a small business that's looking looking to to expand their uh, their operations in a rural area with an online store, uh, or or just because people want to be able to watch watch Netflix, to make sure that we are doing everything we can to leverage that, uh, so that that uh, government isn't holding back, but rather being a catalyst for for the solution. Oh, 100%. And those are all fantastic things that you brought up. Um, especially we see every day through, um, through those, say, like what you said, the students working online for online learning, because there's been a lot of that. And people working from home because things are not completely open. Sometimes some workplaces still aren't open. And those sorts of things. And looking at the innovation that Canadians have and Canada has, and unlocking that, like um, like in the last election we saw with uh, former leader Erno O'Toole, we saw that he was uh, making a big point of that, especially when he was in the the rural communities talking about that. And it was such an important um, an important commitment that shows, first of all, how can the Conservatives bring a solution forward. Second of all, how can we create that more public-private partnership between entrepreneurs and the government? And what can we do to help everyday Canadians? And those were such great policies that I'm sure any, whoever becomes the next leader will bring back and bring back better than ever to ensure that Canadians have access to internet, which is basically a necessity and a basic, um, is a basic thing that everybody uses nowadays. So we're going to go on to question four, which is talking about, um, the issues surrounding us when it comes to spending, inflation, housing, gas prices. So every day we're seeing the prices of gas going up and up. Some places in Canada, as we're speaking right now, Canadians are paying $2.20 a litre for gas. Especially in some, uh, well, just really across Canada, I think the average is almost at that now. So the question is, what would the CPC do to avoid prices like this in the long term? And what do you think the federal government can do to bring the price of gas down right now? Great question. And uh, uh, you're absolutely right. We are seeing an unprecedented, uh, 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 really a crisis when it comes to, 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 to fuel prices. And uh, uh, there's, there's two important things to look at uh, when talking about this issue. One, we can act now. And uh, uh, there's actually proof that government acting now can help solve the problem. And the proof of that is in the province of Alberta, where the provincial government uh, eliminated the uh, provincial gas tax. Uh, so when I left, um, left uh, Alberta yesterday to fly to Ottawa, um, it, gas prices in Alberta were uh, $1.90. Now, that's still expensive, no question. 
but that is in, in, in some cases 30 cents cheaper than many other parts of the country. So we can cut some taxes. In fact, conservatives have for the last number of months been, been, been making the suggestion to, to the government to say, look, at, uh, uh, Canadians deserve a bit of a break. Let's cut the GST, HST, and fuel tax from uh, uh, gas and diesel and, uh, and home heating fuels to say so that we can bring the prices down as we are seeing significant um, uh, cost increases in those commodities worldwide. And unbelievably, uh, the, the, the Trudeau Liberals in, in question period and debate have stood up and said tax cuts won't help Canadians, of which our response is, uh, well, there's proof in Canada that it does help, that being able to serve, save, you know, 30 cents a litre in the province of Alberta is proof positive that without, H, without there being a provincial PST as part of that, and then uh, uh, eliminating the gas tax, that saves uh, uh, folks who are having to fill up their vehicles significant dollars that we could act on now. We've as the official opposition, Conservatives have brought this up a number of times. Unfortunately, the NDP Liberal Coalition has voted against it each and every time. And I think that should be a reminder to, to, to Canadians that while Conservatives are, are trying to bring forward good ideas to help Canadians, the Liberals seem to, 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 to be willing to play politics and uh, put their own political interest, partisan interests ahead of, of Canadians. Second thing, and this is kind of the bigger picture. We have seen uh, over the last number of months, especially since uh, uh, there was uh, a, a little bit of a perfect storm. There was pressure on the global energy market um, prior to the invasion of Ukraine by, by Russia uh, because of economies starting to open up again. So we saw um, uh, prices starting to increase. And uh, then with the, the, the uh, 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 the war in Ukraine starting, we saw a significant increase in that, especially with sanctions and, and the fact that Russian uh, oil and gas has, has uh, uh, been, a, been, been a significant part of, of European energy policy over the last number of decades. Um, we have to address the big picture here. And Canada has the solution. I represent East Central Alberta. A lot of the area that I represent has oil and gas, some of the most environmentally friendly and sustainable oil and gas. In fact, there is a, a, a uh, just outside of my constituency, there is an oil field that uses carbon capture utilization and sequest sequestration, where it is actually net negative carbon oil. So there's more carbon that is sequestered than the oil that is brought out of the ground. So we have the environmental solutions. We have the ability to produce uh, a clean, reliable, uh, uh, and, and, and from a, a, a peaceful, uh, 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 secure democracy, the oil and gas that the world needs. Unfortunately, over the last seven years, we have seen the liberals put their ideological self-interest ahead of what's best for not only Canada, but for the world. The Keystone XL pipeline uh, hits really close to home because when the Biden ad administration, while the Trudeau government sat by doing nothing, canceled that pipeline, 2000 people in my constituency lost their jobs. Um, that pipeline would have shipped approximately 800,000 barrels of oil from a town called Hardesty in my constituency, uh, uh, through, through a portion of Alberta, through Saskatchewan, and then down in, in, into the United States, uh, would have shipped 800,000 barrels of oil. 
into the U.S. The U.S. Uh, at the start of the war in 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 Ukraine was importing close to 700,000 barrels of oil from Russia. We could have had that solution signed, sealed, and delivered, and and had it not been for the mismanagement of energy projects over the last number of years, we could be the supplier of choice for the free world when it comes to oil and gas, which would have uh, uh, insulated the the uh, global commodities market from Russia being an aggressor attacking Ukraine and the, the, the sanctions and everything associated with that that has led to some of the, the, um, the, the real challenges that are faced when it comes to the cost of energy. Then on top of that, add in the inflation crisis. That is, uh, uh, my understanding is there are some, some, some just terrifying numbers in terms of the growth in the cost of food, uh, and of course, housing, uh, costs have more than doubled. And now there was a report that came out and said that one quarter of homeowners are concerned that they'll have to sell their home if interest rates keep going up. Well, the Bank of Canada should have been uh, uh, doing their job, which is uh, in their mandate, is keeping the inflation rate at, at uh, you know, around or less than that, that 2% mark. But over the course of the last couple of years, we have seen an unprecedented uh, uh, amount of money being injected into our economy and uh, in ways that are really inefficient and actually increase um, the, the, the inflationary um, uh, pressures that our economy faces. And now we are facing the inevitable consequences of that. And the, the implications are we're, Canadians are now at a place where they are, you know, if if you look at last last month's numbers, 6.7% um, annualized inflation rate, average wage uh, increases are 2.2%. That's almost a 4.5% cut that every Canadian is facing when it comes to the average of, of purchasing power uh, for, for, for the average Canadian, for the average family, whatever the case is. That's devastating. That means not being able to... to uh, 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 you know, afford the basic necessities that we need to live. And the unfortunate thing is that the liberal monetary policy is du directly contributing to and making that worse. And uh, we have to be able to get spending under control. We have to have to ensure that we have have uh, that we take inflation seriously. And there has to be uh, the the long term outlook to ensure that that we do not hold our economy back. Look, I am a firm believer that Canada has some of the uh, best innovators, most potential of, of, of any country on the planet. We are problem solvers. We have been uh, for the duration of our history from long before Europeans came over. Our indigenous peoples were problem solvers. We have been problem solvers since my folks came, came to Alberta about 100 years ago. We can solve the world's problems. Unfortunately, uh, liberal policies, left-leaning policies have held uh, our, our country back. And uh, um, you know that's where uh, I hope that as, as conservatives are, are across the country, whether in the leadership contest or, 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 or MPs like myself, other conservative activists like you uh, are, are able to uh, get that message out to say, look, there is hope, but it involves the innovation, the capacity and the ability for Canadians to actually sh show up and get the job done. Well, and we're sharing that information right now with everyday Canadians who are watching this show at the time of this this broadcast. And it's it's just 
there's so much to unpack there that I won't unpack because that would take a lot of time. But really, I think it's important to say that we need to keep fighting for what's right. We need to keep um, advocating. We need to keep um, showing that there are simple solutions. And Alberta is a great example of that with the gas tax and Ontario will be a great example for that too when, uh, when Premier Ford cuts the gas tax on July 1st. Um, and it'll just, um, it's all something that we need to navigate and make our way through and keep fighting for. So we're going to move on to the last part, which is advice for the next generation, where we quickly talk about youth involvement in politics and more. So we ask this question to everybody who comes on our show, and we like to ask, what should young high school conservatives do in order to get more politically active? So one piece of advice that you would like to give them. Uh, so, so my piece of advice is pretty similar to, 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 to what I shared, shared in, and in what got me involved, because I was a, was a high school student when I started getting involved, and that's simply show up. Uh, all of you who are watching, those of you who are in high school, your voice matters, and the great thing about the democracy that we have in Canada is it gives you the ability to make a difference. So don't be afraid to show up, and don't be afraid to keep showing up. And uh, because when you do, you can and will, I'm confident, make a difference in our country. So if we have, have, have uh, uh, emboldened young uh, uh, conservatives, high school uh, age folks that are ready to simply show up, knock on doors, make phone calls, do, do interviews like this, uh, 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 talk about the big issues that our country is facing, if you're showing up, you're changing the world and we can get our nation back on track. So uh, that's my advice, simply show up. Well, definitely and some great advice there. And thank you so much, Damien, for your time today. We really appreciate you being with us and we wish you well in the future. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, wish you well in future elections, whenever that is, <laughs> whenever that that may be 2025 or, else, or other time, whenever it is. But thank you so much for joining us today and uh, keep up the good work in the House and in committee. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, really appreciate this and uh, uh, look forward to, to continuing to watch your show. Make sure that uh, uh, you keep up the good work as well. And, uh, and us in Parliament will we'll, uh, we'll continue doing our part. And for all those watching, show up because we can, uh, we can get the country back on track. And door knock. And door knock. Yes. And volunteer yes. in your next campaigns. And that is it. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. You can look for more videos coming soon. Make sure to follow our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok accounts at OntarioHSCons for info about our next interview and for more great content. Make sure to look at our websites, OntarioHSConservatives.org, to learn more about us, to see our projects, and for more great content. For our YouTube viewers, make sure to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and click the notification bell so you never miss a video. Podcast listeners, make sure to follow us and stay updated with new episodes. We hope to see you all soon.